Thanks, Sean. And uh, we're in Nehemiah chapter 12 this morning. And I'm going to be reading uh, selected parts through it and just kind of going through bit by bit and, uh, and just uh, illuminating them, hopefully, uh, for us and, and uh, bringing them to our attention. So Nehemiah chapter 12, I'm just going to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, you, you are awesome. You are great. You are sovereign, Lord. We thank you that uh, your word is eternal, Lord, and your word is living and active, and it can speak to us. It does speak to us wherever we're at, Lord, and I just pray that it would not return void, but it would uh, do what it was sent for and, and uh, accomplish the work that you mean for it, Lord, and which is to bear fruit. And Lord, we just ask you would bear fruit in our hearts this morning, uh, good fruit and uh, fruit that will glorify you. And so we just thank you, Lord, help me to speak, Lord, and help me to um, just bring these truths to light out of uh, your word. So um, we just ask for your hand on this time. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just a bit of an introduction. I'm a person, maybe, maybe you are as well. I, I like to finish things. When I start something, I like to just get it done to completion. I don't like a lot of interruptions. I don't like to leave a lot of things um, undone. Like, I, I just, I need to kind of work very linearly from one thing, you know, finish one, Going to the next, maybe it's my, you know, guy brain, but it's just kind of the way I'm, I, I am. I, I don't like leaving things half done. But when things are done, it gives a great sense of satisfaction. I feel really great, you know, to have completed something. And, you know, you may celebrate a little. And, uh, you know, we like to celebrate when things are completed when we celebrate graduation of completing school or completing a college course or university degree um, or a school project, a work project, a home project. We were, we've been working in our yard and we moved some uh, really almost as heavy as moving this cross, maybe probably heavier. We did that this morning. So we, we bore our crosses this morning. Um, but... Uh, yeah, these heavy uh, metal poles that had a swing set. And so, you know, we, we all worked together. The kids helped, and we, uh, we did it as a family. And it just felt really good to have that completed, right? And, you know, to have these times of celebration, just to honor people for the hard work that they've put in, their time spent, and their achievement accomplished, right? It's a good thing to do to honor these people. And the, in what we're looking at today, this is what the returned Israelites are doing, are celebrating the finishing of Jerusalem's wall. And they did a lot of hard work, no doubt about it, but it's really about giving all the glory to God and praising him and thanking him for his faithfulness in even starting the work, you know, it's realized, they're realizing it was only in his power, his mercy, that they're even at this point to even celebrate this. 
is perfect timing, right? How we look through history and just the perfect timing that God always has. We, we might think differently in our little, you know, minds, right? That God's ways are higher than ours. His timing is always perfect. This, the calling uh, of, of Nehemiah, putting this burden on his heart and raising him up to do the work. His position with the king, gaining favor with the king for protecting them. Um, on the journey, and then from enemies right around them who really wanted to stop the work and harm Nehemiah, or yeah, Nehemiah even. Uh, just praising God for who he is. Just a wonderful, loving, faithful God. And they actually finished the wall a while back, if you remember, in chapter 6. But there was actually more work and more important work that God wanted to do in their lives and really in their hearts before they could get to this step. And it was a spiritual work. They, the people built up the wall, but they needed their hearts built, rebuilt in a spiritual rebuilding uh, project. You know, God is a holy God and he desires a holy and obedient people. And they, as they were you know, celebrating at first the, the um, finishing of the wall, um, the priest read to them from God's law, um, his words, his instructions to them. And they were hungry. They were starving for it. They just needed more and more of that. They realized this is what they needed in their lives. But they were also, as they read these or heard these words, they were deeply convicted to their core, which is also what God's word does. Um, and so they confessed their sin. They repented. God's word is living and active. And together with the Holy Spirit, it convicts us. It, it's like a mirror, right, that shows God's perfect standards and then our sinful hearts and you know, shows where they don't line up. And so the people were, were cut to the core. They were humbled. They were broken. They were contrite about their sin, about the, the fact that they weren't following God's law. And so they surrendered themselves to God. And, and it's just the right response, right? Not to be stubborn um, and stiff-necked, but to be broken and humbled and surrendered. And to have the fear of the Lord, really. They obeyed immediately and celebrated uh, right then the Feast of Booths um, called Sukkot. And um, yeah, they realized this is, yeah, we need to do this. We get to do this. And they went even further, as we read in the last couple of chapters, that they finished their repentance or completed or, you know, continuing to work on it. They needed they, they needed something that would bind them in a way to God. And so they resealed this, the covenant. They made a covenant with God. Um, things like to be separate from the nations around them and to tithe uh, to God and to the temple. Um, and really just be more obedient. And now with that, 
done, the greater work done, they can truly celebrate the earlier and, and full work of God now. And they can dedicate this wall that they, they built and that God allowed to be built and wanted to be built, really. Um, and so we look at this chapter. The, some of the themes are, are thankfulness, are um, service. It talks a lot about the priests and the Levites and their different roles and jobs, um, and about joy and worshiping God and obe obeying God in what he calls us to do. So they start with remembering their lineage, their past, for at least um, in, in as far as a spiritual sense of the exiles returning. So I'll pick it up in chapter 12. I'll just read a bit of verse 1 and, a, and verse 7. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, and Jeshua. Then down to verse 7. These were the chiefs of the priests and of their brothers in the days of Jeshua. And so they're remembering back about 100 years before Nehemiah's time, the first group of exiles returns to Jerusalem. There was about 42,000 or so, maybe more, that returned, uh, that were allowed to return um, from Babylon, led by Zerubbabel, who was the governor, the leader, and um, Jeshua, or Joshua, the high priest. And you can actually read about uh, prophecies about and for uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua in Zechariah chapters 3 and 4. Um, really great, great chapters. And they also go through and they list the priests who returned to spiritually and ceremonially lead the people. And, you know, it's good to look back every once in a while and see where we've come from and show gratitude and honor the people that came before that, you know, our current um, status, you know, our faith even is built on and where we've come from, what's our spiritual DNA, our influences, uh, maybe blind spots, challenges, victories. Look at all these things in, in the historical um, context. And it's really also an encouragement to us, right, to see this, this lineage, this unbroken line, a lineage of faith, of uh, faithful leaders, too, right, to this is why we're at where we are, because there was faithful leaders who came before and were able to really build on what they built up, right? And just as they did from people that came before. And so it's really... Uh, you know, a good thing to honor and remember and thank those who, even just in our own lives, think of the people who had an influence spiritually in our lives. And, um, you know, that we're at where we're at right now because of them praying for us and just sharing the gospel and teaching us, mentoring, all of these things. And so it's a good thing to do. Verse 8, and the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, 
Judah and Mataniah, who, with his brothers, was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving, and Babukiah and Unai and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. So now we've, they were talking about the priests and listed a whole bunch of the priests who came before, and now they're talking about the Levites. Now, the Levites were uh, a, a group of people, a, a clan, really, of descendants of um, Israel, of um, Jacob, and one of the 12 tribes. And they um, were given the task of serving God, of serving in the temple. They were not the, the, the priests, but they were the servants. They were given that, that role and, and uh, privilege um, as their inheritance. And so they, they would minister in the temple and do various things um, to, to help in the, in the running of the, of the temple. And we see here that they were also musicians. They were in charge of the worship leading, really, the songs of thanksgiving in particular, it says. Uh, of course, in, you know, in the worship, there would be many different kinds of songs. You read through the psalms that are, are poems and songs that would have been read or sung during the worship time, and we still sing some today, right? And um, so they, they would be in charge of the worship leading. And um, it says there was others opposite. So it would have probably been like a liturgical worship where it would be a call and response. And, you know, one group would say this, and there would be uh, a correct response to this, you know? We read some of the Psalms, right? The Lord is good, his love endures forever. It's kind of repeated throughout all of, all of the different Psalm. So um, the focus is a lot on this chapter is on the Levites and their, um, what they do and they're and just praising God through music and singing and just showing gratitude to God. And um, which is, you know, we just want to worship God and give him praise, glory, honor, because we love him and are thankful. And they, they, they were doing the same. It's an important calling, and they took it seriously, you know, faithfully serving God, it says, before the people. And going to verse 10 and 11. And Jeshua was the father of Jochiakim, Joiakim, the father of Elishib, Elishib, the father of Joida, Joida, the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan, the father of Jadua. And so now it goes, it focuses, he's focusing on the, the priestly line, the lineage of Jeshua, Joshua, this first high priest to return. And it, it was a hereditary position, uh, really, passed down from father to son, because they had to be in the family line uh, tracing back all the way to Aaron, the brother of Moses. That was the priestly line, was, was coming from Aaron, the first priest. And so they, had, they would trace their, their lineage, their genealogy. And so it was, again, this hereditary. You, you'd take on, you know, passing down the job from father to son. Um, 
And sometimes they wouldn't always, it wouldn't always just be, you know, an age out. Um, sometimes there would be the, the son would take on the position of a high priest before the, his father, you know, passed away even. And so there would be some possibly, you know, some overlap. Um, and it's another, obviously, very important um, in, in Jewish worship, the a serious calling, you know, in that ceremonial, all the ceremonial things they had to do and, and you know, to be the people's spiritual leader and intercessor, you know, do all of the sacrifices and all the ceremonies that they did um, and really just serving God and, and being the spokesman for God to the people. Um, and then we'll finish it off. 24, chapter 12, verse 24. And the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God, watch by watch. And so go back to the Levites, and it, and it records um, some of the Levites that, the, that were in charge of uh, serving in the temple. And it says it doesn't go through all of them. They, they kind of, for a while there, a bit, they stopped recording all of the different leaders. But um, again, they were praising, giving thanks, and, you know, leading others in doing that and and just all of the things that would go on you know and, and we see we saw today of you know the amazing uh technical abilities and serving that uh you know our tech team did and and uh you know came through amen and you know this praising and giving thanks it's what we're made to do really and you know shows where our heart is at if we're able to praise and give thanks to god and it says the levites followed guidelines for worship that were laid down by the great king and musician david and he would he set out we'll look at it a bit later too but you know he would have set out kind of the rules of how that should have been run. The temple operation would, would be run. And there, obviously there's a, there would be a scheduled rotation by family and things like that. Um, so it says by watch by watch, you know, and it, and it just be always this kind of somebody would be serving and, and there'd be always songs rising up to God. I love that. There'd just be always this constant just praising God and worshiping God going on at the temple and uh, just faithful to do that, which is, which is awesome. So verse 27 to 30, we'll start at the dedication of the wall. It says, and at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness and with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem 
and from the villages of the Nedophalites, and also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So the time had finally come to dedicate the wall and just to praise and glorify God and thank God for all that he's done. And so they needed singers and musicians to lead this joyful celebration to the Lord. The musicians were the Levites, servants in the temple, called, and they were called and gathered them to Jerusalem. See, the Levites didn't own property. They relied on the tithe from the people. And we'll see issues of that next chapter of how that doesn't always work. But um, they re- that's, what they were, that's what they relied on. That was their, they relied on the faithfulness of the people to tithe for that, so that they could you know, live and have food and income and all of this. And, and they were given cities to live in all throughout Israel, Levitical cities, throughout all of the different tribes, all the different areas, and really to share you know, God's praise and share the songs of thanksgiving and praise throughout all the tribes so everybody could know these songs and praise God and, and you know, serve God, know, know about God. And so they were now, though, called, all called back to Jerusalem uh, from all the different areas that they lived to um, be the musicians and provide the, the um, songs for this time of praise and thanksgiving. There's also professional singers. Uh, they settled in towns and villages, it says, throughout Jerusalem. And they were close to the city of Jerusalem where really the, all of the ceremonial worship of God right, would be at the temple. That was their, the heart of the Jewish faith, was the temple. And so they settled around this, the villages around Jerusalem to be close when they were needed for ceremonial singing. And, you know, we still use our voices to praise and, and thank God. You know, not much has changed there, right? Um, human voice, still pretty much the same. Uh, might have been different melodies and tones. We don't know exactly what their music was like. Um, probably similar to a lot of the, you know, Middle Eastern music uh, today in that area of the world. Um, they, they may have had what some of those areas have what's called a microtonal. So really small tonal changes that you hear in that, in that music and you're like, hmm, that's, you know, their voices just waver slightly. Um, could have been something like that. We don't know, um, but they had, you know, they still praise God with music. Um, it also lists some of the instruments that they may have used, and I believe we have a slide. Um, there's a handout. Um, so we see some of the instruments that it talks about here. Um, these are representations, really, pictures. They may not have exactly looked like this. Um, see in the top left corner is a lyre, really an ancestor of 
modern guitar uh, would have you know sounded similar. Actually, I saw a, a video on YouTube of somebody who was actually recreating these ancient lyres, and based on a Greek lyre, so maybe a little bit newer, but um, using the ancient like techniques. I think it was a tortoise shell that it was <laughs> that was the sound body, and it had uh, ten strings, which was very they were called the ten-string lyre. Um, it had a sound chamber, like a guitar. Um, had tuning pegs on the top, so really very much like like a modern guitar. And you could pick it, pluck it, or strum it. Also, they had um, picks that you could use. So yeah, we we could kind of imagine that. Um, there was also symbols you see in the top right. Uh, there would be some that were flat, uh, like our symbols that we think of, right? In the marching band, right? Crash. There'll be the resounding symbols it talks about in scripture. They'd be flat, large, and the crashing symbols. There's also, they call the clanging symbols. And they'd be more like, be more like um, if you took kind of two coconuts and, and made out of metal and clanged them together, it, it would make a more dull sound, but it would be more like for keeping rhythm, right? You just have this, um, clang, clanging sound, um, and more like a, or a castanet, if people are familiar with those, right? So a clicking, clanging sound. So again, we can probably visualize what those would have sounded like and, and seen. Um, talks about harps. Um, there's a kind of a representation of one. You know, again, uh, more of an ancestor of the piano, really, because if you take a harp and put it flat, that's really what a piano is, right? High, high strings down to low strings. And that's through the harpsichord, that's really basically what it is, is taking a harp, laying it down flat, putting the keys that bang hammers that make the sound. And so really we can visualize, we hear a harp, you know, the beautiful strumming and, and um, yeah, amazing uh, no sound that it makes, beautiful music. Um, and more range, obviously, than, the, than the, the lyre would have. You know, there's also, also various um, trumpets or horns that they would have had. Or there's a ram's horn or like a brass trumpet or silver trumpet in this case. Uh, they would have had uh, sistrums, which would be kind of like a little box that had kind of rattly things on, on uh, strings that would just kind of make a, you know, percussive sound, tambourines, things like that, and drums. So those were kind of some of the instruments that they would have had. And, and again, some are similar to ones that we would have had, that we do have now. And so the first thing they did as preparation to worship was to purify themselves, to cleanse themselves, um, and the people and the wall before their holy God, for our holy God. And, you know, mostly in scripture, ceremonial, ceremonial purification involved washing uh, or sprinkling with water. The priests and Levites would bathe like a, a, in, a, in a pool and um, even shave, put on clean garments. And then they would sprinkle people or things with the water, right, to purify them. And 
even sometimes um, blood from sacrifices was, was a ceremonial purification. And, you know, that really that foreshadows Jesus' one-time atoning sacrifice for our sin and cleansing that we receive in him. We're purified by God's mercy, by the blood of Jesus applied to our souls and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. Titus 3, verses 4 to 6 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Hebrews 10, 21 and 22 says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, talking about Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we read these verses and think about and meditate on them, I mean, talk about reason for praise and thanksgiving, and, you know, preparing this and thinking about it, you know, I feel convicted. You know, wow, I should be praising God more. I should be thanking God more. And just always, we have so much to be praising God and thanking him for. And my dad actually sent me an article. He emails me things every once in a while, and he actually sent me an article this week. And... um, and it's about gratitude and thankfulness. And, you know, I, I read it, and I'm like, wow, you know, that really fits in with this message, right, of just gratitude to God and thankfulness. And there's another slide uh, we have, and it just, they're, they're kind of their main message of as a, this article by Patrick and R- Ruth Schwenk is it says this, the heart is a, that is thankful to God is a heart that imparts thankfulness to others. And, you know, really just, they talk about modeling thankfulness and really to their kids. They, they're saying, the, art, the name of the article is How to Teach Gratitude to Our Children. And they're, we need to have gratitude ourselves and model that to our children. And I, I, I might ref- go back to that and refer to that um, at the end of the message. But we really, you know, just to have that heart just bursting with thankfulness, um, to discipline ourselves to have that, and, you know, to pass that on to others, that, that um, is, is, I think, a really beautiful and a great thing. And I need help in this area, you know, I need help to be more thankful. And it's not part of our culture. We're, we're a culture of complainers, really. It comes naturally to us. And so, you know, I've been convicted to be more thankful. And you know, what a beautiful thing. If as, as a body, as a people, we, we would be more thankful, that we would be known as just thanking God and praising God, you know, and we're thankful for uh, technology and for those who 
can operate technology and know how to troubleshoot technology so that you know I can stand here and speak to you um, at, at this time. So there's, there's much to be thankful for, to have a building, right, to, to be able to do these um, services in, and m many more things, you know, faithful leaders, and, and just, yeah, the list can go on. Um, we have many things to be thankful for. Picking it up in verse 31, Nehemiah says, Then I brought the leaders of Judah up unto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah. And Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zakur, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azrael, Melali, Gelali, Mai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, went before them. So Nehemiah gathers all the leaders of, of Judah, of the returned uh, exiles, brings them up on top of the wall. Remember, it was a fairly wide wall. Um, you, you would have been able to easily you know, walk a, a few people uh, side by side down the wall. And so what he did is he divided them in the people and the, into two groups, the leaders into two groups, and had two choirs singing songs of thanksgiving that went with them. The south group had musicians that went with them. It says sons of Asaph. And Asaph was um, a leader of David's choir, writer of Psalm 50 and 73 to 83, master musician, obviously, and poet, and one that others sought to emulate. And so there was this group called the Sons of Asaph who were poets and musicians following his um, style and um, you know, maybe methods and things like that. Um, so they, they were this group of musicians. And some even had the amazing honor of playing the actual instruments of David like the actual instruments that he played. Like how amazing is that as a musician to be like playing, you know, this, I mean, this is David. And you get to like play his lyre or harp or something like that. Like amazing. I'd be like, I don't know, who, who would I, like I watched a video uh, uh, and this, this YouTuber, he got to play um, Eddie Van Halen's guitar, and it's worth, you know, millions, of course. And actually, previously, he got to play one of Eric Clapton's guitars, like actual, like, so, and again, worth I, many millions, right? So, yeah, it'd be like, playing your, you know, musical hero's instrument. I mean, for me, I don't know, I like, I like Sting, so playing a bass of, of Sting or something like that would be like, oh my goodness, amazing. Um, 
but a, a, these instruments, the, the miracle that they survived all this time, too, they were likely stored in the temple in, as, as treasures, as, as relics, um, and they would have been taken as plunder to Babylon and actually preserved and, and kept safe and then returned back with the exiles. You know, what an amazing, amazing honor and, uh, and blessing to be able to do that. Verse 37. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower of ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim by the gate of Yeshana and by the gate by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half the officials with me and the priests Eliakim, Messiah, Minamim, Micaiah, Elewani, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehonan, Melchizedek, Elam, and Ezar, and the singers sang with Jezariah as their leader, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The woman and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So I have another slide. Um, I have a, a picture of it here. I don't know if you can see it. There we go. And so this. Um, I found, and it shows the walls of Jerusalem in the time of Nehemiah, and the, the part that he would have rebuilt, actually Solomon's city would have been larger, it would have gone further to the west, but um, this, this is what they were able to rebuild. And it shows, talks about, it shows all these gates that Nehemiah talks about here. So likely they would have started down kind of by the pool of Siloam there, both groups. And one group would go, the south group went around, uh, first going south a little bit, and then heading uh, counterclockwise around the whole eastern part of the wall. And then the other group would go along north along the western part of the wall. And so, you know, I just imagine if you, you know, put on that video camera in your mind's eye, just what this would have been like to have, you know, these two groups of, of people and there'd be the musicians and the singers and just, you know, belting out songs of praise to God. And the walls were, you know, something like 40 feet high. So they'd be way up above and just to be, you know, surrounded by that, the, the praises of God, and, and also just going out, outside the walls to, to the surrounding countryside and just to hear that and see that um, be beautiful. And so both groups, so they each went around the different ways, and they met 
it says at the Tower of the Guard, now, um, that, or, or the, the gate of the guard. So it probably would have been somewhere around the sheep gate, uh, the master gate, one of those, but up there close to the temple. So they would, the closest gate to the temple, they would have both come in, streamed in, and then gone up to the temple to finish their worship and celebration. And it says um, there was this big celebration. The priest offered sacrifices to God. Um, the whole choir sang praises to God. So we don't know how many singers, you know, possibly could be several hundred singers, right? It be, could have been a large choir, uh, probably, and maybe more. We don't know. But it would have been this, just this, um, again, that joyful noise to the Lord going up at this time. And it says all the people in the families joined in, all the people, the women and children, joined in with the singers in joyfully praising God. So the people joined in. Everybody was just, it was a worship service. It was a full-on just praise and worship to the time to the Lord. And, you know, it says he made them rejoice. He made them rejoice, right? They just had so much to rejoice about that it just it had to burst out in song right they just had to sing to god and and praise him and thank him and uh that's that's awesome that's so beautiful and just for all he's done for who he is and just for them to be able to be there now in this place in a with the reconstructed wall the reconstructed temple that they could worship their god what an awesome thing so much to be thankful for. It says their joy was heard far away. That's awesome. That, you know, all those around could hear it and um, hear them rejoicing. They bore witness of God's goodness. They were testifying and, and bearing witness to all God's goodness, faithfulness, and his power of, of you know, all he was able to do. You know, the joy of the Lord was their strength. They let the whole world know of God's greatness. I, you know, I read that and I, I want that. I want more of that in my life to be overflowing with thankfulness and with joy. You know, we don't want to be infectious physically, especially we're going through this pandemic right now, but I want to be infectious with joy and infectious with thanksgiving and have those things be caught you know i want to have them in myself and be pass it on right and and reality is i'm often far from that you know and it's something though that i want to strive for and and hopefully we all should and remembering you know our mission statement as the church we seek to passionately proclaim the glory of god in christ for the joy of all people and that's really what this is all about, what it's talking about is passionately, joyfully proclaiming the glory of God so that others will see and know and want the joy of the Lord. Verse 47. Sorry, 44 to 47. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather them from the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns, 
For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered, and they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and for the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron, which is the priests. <clears throat> so the people celebrated, not just in word, not just in voice, but also in deed. And, you know, put their money where their mouth was, so to speak. Supporting those who ministered. Remembering the covenant they just made to give tithes, right? And so the people blessed the servants of God. Now, I'd like to think it wasn't just because they had a really awesome worship service and they're like, oh yeah, these guys, we want to give these guys, you know, right, we got to tithe and, and just, you know, be all caught up in the moment. I'd, I'd like to think it was because of the commitment and the covenant that they made. Really, that's where our actions should come from, not to be, you know, emotional. You know, it's good to be spurred by emotion, but not let that, like, you know, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, I didn't like that song, or I didn't like this, or, you know, that message, well, and, and then, you know, tithe accordingly. No, we tithe because it's what we've committed to do before God, right? And to, to give out of cheerfulness, not out of begrudgingness. And so, says, um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah appointed men to oversee the allotments of the tithes to the priests and to the Levites and to distribute them and to oversee the storehouses and just to be like kind of like deacons, right? To oversee that aspect of, of the practical aspect of this thing, right? Because it was talk, we'd be talking about when they, we say tithes, we think of money. It wasn't always money. It would have been grain or fruits or animals or oil or flour or other things, physical things that needed to be, you know, weighed and stored and divided and moved. And, you know, it was a whole bunch of logistics that had to go on with this, right? And so Nehemiah appointed people to take care of that for the Levites and for the priests, right? So they didn't have to worry about that, right? They, you know... Be, it's kind of weird too, right? To be like, okay, well, you know, you know, do you want to keep, no, keep your hands off of that and, and have people, you know, do that for them and, and serve them in that way, which is, which is nice, right? It's awesome. And, you know, the people of Judah were thankful for and rejoiced in those who ministered to God for them. And they wanted to bless them, right? Um, this says, those who served in the house of God, purifying, doing the, the ceremonies of cleansing and, and purification, of praying, of going up to the, um, you know, to the altar, um, singing, gatekeeping, right? All of these ways of serving that were done in the temple. Many other things. And he talks about David, how David, um, in the time of David and Solomon, you know, David desired the temple 
but he never saw the temple. God, God wouldn't let him build it um, because he, he had too much blood on his hands from, from all of the battles he fought. So God never let him build it, but David prepared. He prepared the way, like very much prepared and, um, and set how it was to be run and, and get everything in place so his son uh, Solomon, when the time came, could build it and have it all, you know, basically running, up and running. Establishing, he established the different responsibilities and positions, what was required of each one. Um, you know, David was a musician. Solomon was a poet. They valued singing and praise. And so they appointed directors to specifically um, look after those things, to, to the songs and the um, you know, music, all of these things, right? And because um, it's a way for the, the people to connect with God, right? To, you know, lead. It's what we hope to do, right? That's what we want to do is lead us into God's presence, into his truth, into more of him. And, um, and so that's, they, they saw the value in that. Um, and it says, from Zerubbabel to Nehemiah, people of Judah tithed to God and supported his servants. As we'll see next week, there's, there's a little hiccup in that, but um, they really wanted to bless God and give cheerfully to God, to thank him and to thank those who served. Um, and it says the Levites also tithed the portion back of what they received to the priests for out of obedience to God, uh, for tithing, right? There, there is that, there, they were being obedient with what God gave them. Even though it was a tithe, they were still tithing. And just showing the gratitude to God and showing that they, their hearts were in the right place, they had a cheerful heart to give and a thankful heart. Um, which is the, you know, what we're, the heart we're to have. Um, so, in, just in wrapping it up, you know, God, we have an awesome God. He's wonderful, faithful, loving, powerful, merciful, giving, holy. We could go, I could go on and on. And God desires us to know him through faith in Jesus and to love and worship and obey him. How do we respond to such a God, especially knowing the grace and forgiveness in Jesus? What kind of people should we be? Should we, you know, be bitter or complaining? Or should we be loving and joyful and thankful? You know, I yearn for that radical, infectious thankfulness and joy to God in my life, just overflowing and bursting. And again, imagine if we all had hearts like this. And maybe some of you do. And awesome. Praise the Lord. That's a great thing. And in, in preparing this message and thinking about it, I had this image of, you know, the Alberni Valley. And I didn't have time to make a map. And I, I thought about it, but I didn't have time. To, you know, put on a map and put everybody's, everybody's house, where everybody lives, apartment or house, and just imagine them as, as, as points of light on, on this, you know, map of the Alberni Valley, and, you know, then connecting all of the dots 
around the outside, like a wall, with the church at the center. And, you know, we all have a bit of a wall, a bit of, a bit of this connectedness to um, each other. And we all get to proclaim the greatness and goodness and faithfulness and love of God to those around us so that they can know and see the joy of God. And actually, thinking about it, we're actually more of a gate in the wall and a way to invite those outside to know the joy and love of God, to come inside and know that. And, you know, may we be a people of faith and truth, full of thanksgiving, praising and glorifying God, proclaiming what God has done in our lives. And, you know, we've, Pastor Roger has been doing, and, and Richard have been doing the 4-H um, videos of people sharing um, just a bit of their history and testimony and what God has done. And, and it's a, a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing just to see those testimonies and, and encourage everybody to, to do one, to do a 4-H and, um, you know, share what God has done in your life. And... Um, and it's, it's great that we get to do that. We get to, to be a witness. And it's, it's an easy way to do it, you know? Answer a few questions and share your life. And, you know, we don't know the lives of, of whom it may bless and touch. So, yeah, I encourage everybody to, to, to pray about that and, and, and see if that's something that, um, that you want to do. So... Um, Let's put a close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you. You are a wonderful, saving, faithful God. We thank you for the faithfulness that you've woven throughout the fabric of each of our lives, Lord, that, that we get to be here today, Lord, and we have many, many reasons to be thankful and proclaim your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, so I, I just, I pray, Lord, that you would, as we've been praying for softened hearts, that you would, you would soften our, our hearts, fill them with, with your truth, with your love, with, with joy and with thanksgiving, Lord. Um, Lord, I want to be um, one who knows and, and declares thanksgiving to you and, and that people see and want to know you more, Lord, and, and see the joy and want that joy that we have through um, a relationship with you, Jesus. So we again thank you for this time. And, and if, if there are any of those watching who don't have a relationship, I just um, and want that. Just invite you to pray and and seek the Lord and um, talk to maybe a, a somebody in the church or a, another believer that you know, and um, and just uh, commit your life to to Jesus and um, receive the forgiveness and joy and blessings that. 
he offers. So um, we thank you, Lord, and we just we bless you and just ask for your blessing on the rest of this time as we um, continue to um, lift up our voices and worship to you, our great God, who is worthy above all things, Lord, for all praise, honor, and glory. And uh, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.